0: Welcome to the Assembly of Yahweh Sermon Podcast. We're so glad you're here. For more information, you can visit hallelujah.org or download the Aoy app on Apple or Google Play. Good to be here today. It's a beautiful day outside, beautiful week we got, beautiful songs we just heard. Goodness, it is crazy. It is is a blessing to be here, and it's a blessing to uh, be able to share with you, and uh, I thank the leadership for Allow me to, to share, and uh, like I say, it is, it is always a blessing, and I want to always be mindful of what I say, that it's, it's correct and it's right, you know. We were in Arkansas last week, so we was out of town visiting my uh, daughter, and I've got a sister uh, there in around Fort Smith area, Van Buren, and so uh, we was visiting them uh, last week, so we missed you guys. I'm glad to be back, Have a safe trip. I'm always thankful when I get back home that, you know, the Heavenly Father, because there's accidents on the highway all the time. It happens all the time. But when you arrive at your destination unscathed, it's a good feeling. So anyhow, I, uh, I am grateful to be here and appreciate everybody that's here. I'm going to talk today <clears throat> about the battle of our mind. <clears throat> You know, every action, whether it's been good or bad, begins with a thought. Our feelings of joy, sadness, hopelessness, or determination is controlled by our thoughts. You ever think about that? There's no outside force or circumstance that causes us to do good or bad things or make us feel joyful or sad. Everything begins with a thought in our mind. And how we address that thought uh, will dictate our action. How we we rationalize this thought will dictate our action. And our action always causes a reaction. If you jump up to somebody and say, hey, you're a total idiot. You're going to get a reaction, aren't you? You know? So, and it may not be very good. But Satan wants to win over our mind. This is where he works to ruin our lives. To enslave people. To pit people against one another. To pit nations against one another. This is his battleground. And it's been raging the war since the creation. Now, I had listened to a uh, a message from uh, Louis Giglio. I don't know if you've ever heard of him or not. But anyhow, I picked up some really, I thought, were impressive ideas. So some of these ideas come from his message about the mind. and So I want to share them with you because I thought they were pretty profound. So we're going to start in Genesis. That's a good place to start, isn't it? The beginning. Genesis 3. You want to follow along? It says, Now the serpent or is more crafty than any beast of the field which Yahweh had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed, as Yahweh said, you shall not eat from any tree of the garden. First of all, here we go. We read through this like we have hundreds of times and we're not per, you know, perplexed. Why is the snake speaking to Eve? Is it like one of these cartoons you see on the far side where the animals actually do talk? Or these or these, uh, or these movies, these animated movies where the animals do talk? This animal's talking to Eve. And she's just answering, you know. But anyhow, it says, the snake said, I mean, the woman said to the serpent, From the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat. But from the fruit of the tree that is in the middle of the garden, Yahweh has said, You shall not eat of it or touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said to the woman, You shall not surely die, for Yahweh knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like Elohim, knowing everything, good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and ate. And she gave also to her husband, and with her he ate. You're not going to die. Eve rationalized this situation. Yeah, it is good for food. We all need food, don't we? We need good food. We need healthy food. So she rationalized this. It's good for food. Satan, you're right. It's a delight to the eyes. It actually looks good. Nobody likes to eat food that don't look good, do you? A lot of times, it may be pretty good, but if it don't look appetizing, I'm not going to eat it. You know, I'm just going to turn it. So if you see me going down to the lunch line today, just don't be offended. You know your presentation has to change a lot. <clears throat> but it was desirable to make one wise as well. Satan had done his work. He had planted a seed of doubt, and now it's just a waiting game to see where will when Eve will act on this seed of doubt. So as Eve ponders these thoughts, and you know, I didn't know about, I didn't think about this. I never thought about it before, but it, we don't know that Eve took the fruit right then, do we? It could have, she could have taken it right then. It could have been an hour or so. It could have been a week. It could have been a month. We don't know. We don't really know how long it took for her to actually eat the fruit. But Satan's not concerned about the time frame, is he? He's not concerned about the timeline. All he's concerned about is that that seed has been planted. That our mind now is preoccupied and busy with this seed that he's put into our heart and our mind. Now I'm thinking about this. Did Yahweh really say I was going to die? Really? You ever, you remember the story of Snow White? She eats the poison apple. It was presented to her as something really nice. I where that story comes from. You know, the, the basis of, of that story. This is also where we get the, the, the saying, forbidden fruit is always sweetest. This is where you get this saying, where it comes from, from the Bible. Forbidden fruit is always sweetest. In other words, the things we can't have or the things that maybe are not supposed to have or are not good for us. Is the very things we want. Isn't that so true? Have you ever experienced that? The very, those are the things you want. And we think that if I can have this. I will be satisfied. It will fill a hole in my heart. It will. It will. Just create a euphoric experience in my life. If I can just have this forbidden fruit. But our battle is not external. It's internal. Ephesians 6 12 says for our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers against the power against the world forces of darkness against spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places this is where the battleground's at it would be a lot easier if we could just you know take a sword or a gun and just you know kill these speculations okay I'm done with that I don't have to deal with it anymore but it's not that way Satan has been in this battle for our minds since creation and he's not going to go away anytime soon. No, no one on the face of the earth has ever been exempt from this, from Satan's warring in your mind. You haven't been exempt from it. I'm not exempt from it. We have all had to deal with it or maybe you haven't dealt with it. Maybe I haven't dealt with it like I should. Maybe I don't even realize it's going on. That's exactly what Satan wants. These lies we hear from Satan, these seeds of doubt will take full control of our lives if we allow them to take residence. It will take control of your life. It will take control of my life. It don't matter how, how lofty we think we are or how lowly we think we are. It will take control of our lives if we let it. If we water and nurture these thoughts, we will end up partaking of the forbidden fruit. Satan had put the doubt in in Eve's mind. Did Yahweh really say? Did he really say that? Is Yahweh trying to keep something from me? Something that's good? No, Yahweh doesn't always give us the reasons why to do or not to do something, does he? Most instances in the Bible, you'll see the reasons why. But... It's not always that, that easy. We know that Yahweh always said, you should not eat that tree. But Eve thinking, is he trying to keep something from me? Is he trying to keep me from being wise? Is that why he don't want me to eat from that tree? She didn't even realize that as soon as she ate that tree, she was going to die. And she would understand good and evil. And she would set in motion for all of mankind this, this death that we are experiencing, this this our, our trials and tribulations that we go through. She set in motion those things just because of that seed of doubt. <clears throat> Satan is the one who told Eve that she would be like Yahweh and know good and evil. Satan's the one that told her that. Yahweh didn't tell her that. Yahweh didn't tell her that. You know, Eve, if you eat of this, you're going to be just like me. You're going to know good and evil. That was Satan who told that lie. This sounds like a good thing. We like knowledge, don't we? This is also why we hear the saying to nip it in the bud. You ever heard that saying to nip it in the bud? When you see that bud, if you see a like a a fruit tree or whatever, you see it. It it comes in bloom and then it comes into a bud. You nip it in the bud. You eliminated the fruit, right? This is where we get that that idea of that, to nip it in the bud. We need to identify the thoughts that are not right and dispel them before they turn into something bigger. You know, many times we can have these thoughts, and I know you've had them, and I know I've had them, because we're all basically the same way. And they can be going and playing in our minds for long periods of time. Even before we realize that they're even there. We need to nip them in their bud at the earliest convenience. At the earliest, not convenience. Forget that, just scratch at not, not at convenience. We need to nip them in the bud at the earliest stage. So they will not become fruit. And save us all this mental wrestling that we spend so much time with these thoughts in our minds. Have you ever been going down the road? And I've heard people say this. You meet somebody you know. You wave. They don't wave back. Huh. What's wrong with Jack? I can't believe he didn't. You know, I said something the other day. and he said, I, think he, I think he said something. And Jack, he, man, I'll tell you what. So I'll go home and tell my wife. You know, I waved at Jack today going down the highway. He didn't even wait. He just took his nose up and kept on going. So I'm wrestling with all of this over and over and didn't even realize Jack, that wasn't Jack for one thing. (laughs) Or he didn't see me because the sun was in his eyes. Who knows? But I've spent hours, maybe days, maybe weeks having a grudge against Jack because I just assumed... That he did away from me on purpose. So how much wrestling have I done? Quite a bit. Have You ever done that or is this me? You know, okay. All right. We remember the story of the spies who went out to seek out the, the promised land. Turn with me, if you will, because this is where it really gets good. <clears throat> In Numbers 13, Numbers 13, verse 30, no, verse 25. And when they returned from spying out the land, so Moses had sent them uh, uh, one from each tribe to spy out the land, and it's like 40 days. To spy out the land of Canaan. They're about to go into the land of Canaan. They came out of Egypt. They seen all the miracles. Yahweh had promised them success. They're going to go in and they're going to get a plan. Spy out the land. Verse 26. They proceeded to come to Moses and Aaron. To all the congregation and the sons of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. And they brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Thus they told him and said, We went to the land where you sent us, and certainly it does flow with milk and honey, and this, and, and this is its fruit. Nevertheless, the people who live in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. And moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. Malachi, uh, Amalek is living in the land of the Negev, and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites are living in the hill country. And the Canaanites are living by the sea and by the side of the Jordan. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, we should by all means go up and take possession of it, for we shall surely overcome it. So he had a positive attitude. But the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against this people, for they too are strong for us. They're too strong for us. So they gave out to the sons of Israel a bad report. Of the land which they had spied out, saying, The land through which we are going is spying out, is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great size. There also we saw the Nephilim, and we became like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. So, two key things I want you to remember it says, We became like grasshoppers in our own sight. In other words, we felt small. We was inadequate, ill-equipped, not strong enough to go up against these people. And furthermore, we were like grasshoppers in their sight. They knew we were small and ill-equipped and weak. They knew it. Did the inhabitants of Canaan really think that the children of Israel were small and inadequate? Who told them they were like grasshoppers? Where did they get that? Where did they get this notion? Where did this idea come from? Some of the spies planted a seed of doubt, didn't they? And it blossomed. And they just supposed they knew what the enemy was thinking. There's like the seed of a uh, of doubt that Satan planted in Eve's mind. <clears throat> that set the course that we're on now on this planet. Some of the spies planted the seeds of doubt that held Israel in the wilderness for 40 years. You think about it. 40 years, this seed of doubt, they suffered the consequences of it. How many times have we found ourselves spending hours, weeks, and months, many times years, believing a lie that maybe we have been told? Maybe it's just something we think about ourselves. Maybe nobody's even said anything. Maybe we just made it up We believe these lies in our heart and we find ourselves in the wilderness for a long time. Now some of us may think, well, that's not me. I'm pretty smart. I pick up on that stuff pretty good. In situations like this, it reminds me of a... John Piper says, mere intellect will not dismantle the deeply rooted errors in our mind doesn't matter how smart we are or how smart we think we are. We have errors in our mind and it's, it, they're deeply rooted. And it's not, our intellect is not going to dismantle those. These, these ideas, these negative thoughts, whether they're true, whether they're just imagined, whether we, we saw something that made us think this way, whether we heard something that made us think this way, can rob us of our sleep. Still many hours of our energy, lots of energy, because we let these thoughts reside in our hearts, in our minds. We, we try not to think on these negative things, only to find ourselves hours later, wrestling with these same things again, worn out. Can you think of all the energy that's consumed by this? A lot of energy. You've heard it said that just because it's on the Internet doesn't mean it's true. And sometimes I also believe that just because it's a thought in my mind doesn't mean it's true either. Just because I have this thought doesn't mean it's true. Just because I feel this way does not mean it's true. This thought may be making me feel sad or discouraged. But just because that's, that thought is there doesn't mean that it's truth. Turn with me if you will to 2 Corinthians 10. A little scripture here. It goes along with this. You know the hardest thing about doing a message? Is to hit that time slot. That's the hardest time. You know, am I going too long? Am I going too short? And of course, I got to get all these through all these notes. Okay, we have to get through this. Okay, but it's it's, it's difficult. So who knows where this is going to land? But 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3 says, For we walk in the flesh, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. What kind of fortresses? We're destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of Elohim. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Messiah. We're taking every thought captive. We're running it through a filter. Every thought. That's going to be kind of time consuming, isn't it? It's going to be difficult, isn't it? I would say yes, it's going to be. Turn with me, if you will, to Matthew. You would think that Yahshua would be immune to this, wouldn't you? <clears throat> he wasn't immune to it. The Son of the Most High was not immune to this. Starting in verse, uh, Matthew 4, verse 1, it says Yahshua was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he became hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the son of Elohim, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by, on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of Elohim. Then the devil took him to a holy city. To the holy city, he said to him, Stand on the pinnacle of the temple. And he said to him, If you are the son of Elohim, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will give his angels charge concerning you. And on their hands, they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against the stone. Yahshua said to him, on the other hand, it is written, you shall not put Yahweh your Elohim to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. Then Yahshua said to him, be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship Yahweh, your Elohim, and serve him only. And the devil left him, and behold, angels came and there began to minister to him. So Satan goes to Yahshua and he says, Prove who you are. You prove who you are. If you're the son of, of Yahweh, prove it. Satan also appeals to, just like he appealed to, to uh, Eve, he appeals to Yahshua, he says, in his weakened state, he uses this power to satisfy Yahshua's obvious hunger. Yeshua was hungry after 40 days of fasting, I guarantee you. Yahshua, he, he says, no, this is, this is not how I'm supposed to use this power. Yeshua, Satan, what, what does he attack? He attacks us at our weakest moment, when we're most vulnerable. He, he, that's how he works. That's how animals in the wild work. A lion just don't go to the biggest, you know, in our, we, we, we have a concept of hunting is we're going to get the biggest one, you know, the meanest one. That's the one we're going to go after. We're not going to go after Bambi. Okay. That's not what we're going after. But in the real world, if a lion, he's not going to, he's not going to attack the biggest elephant out there. He knows it's useless. Plus he might get hurt. Satan does the very same thing. He gets us in our weakest moment, and that's when he attacks. Satan twists scriptures also. You notice how he twisted the scriptures to make us look the temptation look more valid. He uses scripture and he'll twist them to make it look more valid. And plus, he also flat out lies, as he did to Eve. He told Eve, You're not, you're not sure they're going to die. He flat out lies. To get Yahshua to worship him. Satan appeals to the lust of the flesh. The lust of the eyes. And the boastful pride of life. He appeals to that. That is in all of us. Because we're in this fallen world. That is in all of us. We deal with this all the time. You know if Yahshua hadn't ordered Satan to be gone. This could have went on for hours. Days. This tempting could have went on. anyhow so how do we take control of this first of all I got the bad news the bad news is you're gonna to have to be dealing with this all your life you're gonna you're gonna have to deal with this all of your life as long as we live Satan is not easily deterred but there is victory Yahshua is our example and he, he was victorious and able to control these thoughts. He never sinned. He never acted in a wrong way. So we have to identify the thoughts. We have to practice self-awareness. Whatever just happens to us randomly. We have to be aware of what's going on. We have to be aware of our emotions. Where they're at. It's self-awareness. A lot of people are not self-aware. And I think I think it's something you have to, to to learn as you grow older is self-awareness. We have to do this. This is, this is where we 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 need to the filter we need to run through. We need to ask ourselves, where did these thoughts come from? This thought that I'm having in my mind, where did this thought come from? Are these thoughts creating fear in my life? Are they making me angry, anxious, or depressed? Are they from our loving heavenly father? Or are they from the liar Satan himself? Where did these thoughts come from? That's the first question you have to ask yourself. And are these thoughts in agreement with Yahweh's word? That's that's the second question. Where do they come from? And are they in agreement with Yahweh's word? If we run all of our thoughts through this filter... It will save us a lot of grief. I guarantee you. You know, with these negative thoughts, something's going to get bound. Something is going to get bound. Either you're going to get bound by these thoughts for for days and weeks, years possibly. Or you can bind the thought itself. You can bind these thoughts, these negative thoughts. Lies, a lot, of, a lot of times it's just lies, flat out lies. You can bind those thoughts yourself. Something's going to get bound. And then it's up to you and I to decide what it is. But we need to take them captive and put them in their place. I'm going to read here in Isaiah 54, 17. Another scripture here. Isaiah 54, 17, it says no weapon that is formed against us, against you shall prosper. And every tongue that accuses you in judgment, you will condemn. Who's the accuser of the brethren? The Bible says Satan is the accuser of the brethren. Every tongue that accuses you in judgment will be condemned. This is the heritage of the servants of Yahweh. And their vindication is from me, declares Yahweh. This is their inheritance. Don't you want to take hold of your inheritance? Don't you want to? This is your inheritance. It's all yours. We need to take hold of it. Take hold of these strongholds in our mind. Turn with me, if you will, to Joshua. We're going to get back to this story about the spies. Joshua chapter 2. So, 40 years have passed. 40 years in the wilderness has passed. And they find the whole generation has died out. The children of Israel find themselves there at Jericho. And they're about to go back into the promised land after 40 years of being in the wilderness. And Joshua sends two spies probably sent two good spies he said we sent 12 last time and it wasn't a very good deal so we're just in two this time anyhow he sends two spies into Jericho to spy out the land and just so happens they end up at a prostitute's house so they go to a prostitute's house and the king gets word that those spies are in this town Somehow or another, he figures out these spies are in town. And so he's looking for them. So Rahab, she hides, she hides these guys on the roof of the house. I mean, a prostitute's house is the most like, uh, likely pla- unlikely place for a spy to be. Okay, so I'm not insinuating anything here. But I'm just saying that that's, where, <laughs> that's just where they end up. Uh, so anyhow, they're on the rooftop here. Start to pick up in verse 8, Joshua 2. Now, before they lay down, she came up on the roof, uh, came to them on the roof. And she said to the men, I know that Yahweh has given you the land and that the terror of you has fallen on us. And that all and that all the inhabitants of the land have melted away. Uh, Yeah, that all the inhabitants of the land have melted away before you. We have heard how Yahweh dried up the waters of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites that who were beyond the Jordan of Sihon and Og when you utterly, utterly destroyed who you utterly destroyed. And when they heard of it, our hearts melted and no courage remained in any man any longer because of you. For Yahweh your Elohim He is the Elohim of heaven above and on the earth beneath. They're probably thinking, you've got to be kidding me. Their hearts melted. You mean to tell me we spent 40 years in the wilderness and their hearts were melted before us? They heard of all that had happened. Yet the seed of doubt has put us 40 years in the wilderness Can you imagine what they were thinking? You got to be kidding. After Yahweh had promised them success, they spent all this time wondering because of a seed of doubt. How many times have we listened to those same seeds of doubt and spent time in our own wilderness? How many times has that happened? The original spies said they knew what the enemy was thinking, didn't they? When all along, they did not know what the enemy was thinking. They assumed, I feel like I'm inadequate. We always feel that way on certain things. We feel like, oh, I'm inadequate. I, I can't do that. Look how little I am. Or look how, whatever it may be. Maybe look how unattractive I am. Look, look. I I just, this is beyond me. Get somebody else. Get somebody else to do this. We all feel inadequate, but they said that they think we're inadequate when that never happened. That was a false narrative, a false story. It never happened. Matter of fact, we just read just the opposite. Their hearts were melted. They were afraid. All those people in the land of Canaan, they were afraid of Israel yet this, this, this false thought come into their heart and their minds and set them on a course of 40 years of wandering. You know, Satan, he'll hold your past sins against you too. He'll hold your past failures against you. he said, say, look what you've done. I've seen what you've done. I remember what you've done, and he's accusing you all alone. All these bad things you've done. You're just a hypocrite. You might as well just forget about it, because you're never you're never going to amount to anything. He also uses use you know like you're black, you're Hispanic, you're you're of a different race. You can't you can't succeed. You can't you can't move forward. These are just. Just lies from Satan. These are not true statements. These are seeds of doubt. Seeds of lies that Satan puts in our hearts and our minds. Satan may come up and say, you know, your mom, she was pretty loose. He's been pretty, pretty, pretty loose woman. That's probably how you're going to be too. You're going to be the same way. I mean, you can't live that down. This is your identity. Just the way your mom lived is your identity. Identity. That's not the truth, is it? If you're a follower of the Most High, that is not the truth. You could, he, Satan could say your dad was an alcoholic and you're bound to be one too. Your dad, he, he just never held down a job, never had much of anything because he was an alcoholic. Just, this is your identity. This is Just, just plan on being that way yourself. And Satan just keeps piling this on, doesn't he? You could say that Things are not looking good for the economy. Oh, it's just terrible out there. It's bad. The future looks bleak. There's no use in me trying to get ahead now. It's just going to be down here from now. I guess I'll just, I'll be like this forever. These are negative thoughts that Satan puts in our minds. And we could be going through the depression. You know, we could, you could be actually in the middle of the de- depression and I'm not, I'm not saying that there's not reality that we have to deal with. There is reality. But we can't be stuck in these negative, these negative cycles. We cannot be stuck there. You know, after we've identified the thought to see where it came from and to examine it and to see if it's accordance to Yahweh's word, then what do we do? We have to change the narrative. You can't just leave it there. Romans 12, 2, says, And do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the will of Yahweh, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Renew your mind. It's going to take effort. This is continual. And it's something we must be aware of at all times. And it's going to take some time. It doesn't matter how we feel. Our feelings are so misleading sometimes. We all have them. We're created this way, but they can be very misleading. If we go through the we, if we want victory, we're gonna to have to go through the process. You know, when Yahshua was being tempted, he didn't ponder what Satan was telling him, did he? He didn't mold it over. Hmm, you know, he I wonder if that's true. When we start doing that, we open ourselves up for, for more doubt. Satan. He didn't ponder it and think about it for days on end. He didn't get in an argument with Satan, did he? Oh, no, it's not. That's not, that's not true. He didn't get in an argument with the devil. He didn't try to rationalize what Satan was saying. You know, I am hungry. That bread would be really good right now. It is a true statement. I am hungry. He didn't do that. No, Yahshua used scripture. He used facts to disband the enemy. He spoke the truth and the truth set him free. And it will for you and I also. Proverbs 4.23 tells us to guard our hearts with all diligence. To guard your heart with all diligence. I mean, in other words, work really hard at guarding your heart. If we guard our heart, then we won't have repercussions later. Guard your heart with all diligence. Isaiah twenty-six three says, "The steadfast mind, thou will keep in perfect peace, because he trusts in thee." The steadfast mind, not a mind that's just just tossed to about. The steadfast mind, he will keep in perfect peace. Second Timothy one seven says, "Yah has not given us a spirit of fear, but he's given us a spirit of power, a spirit of love." And soundness of mind. This battle in our mind. We can find soundness of mind. This is why we need to have his word in our hearts. It's important. You cannot have soundness of mind. If you don't have his word in your heart. You have to know his word. You have to know those promises. When we hear Satan's lies. We have to know those promises. You have to know things like. John one twelve. it says. We are the children of the king. You have to embrace that when Satan comes and says, You're never going to amount to nothing. So wait, 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 wait. I'm a child of the king. No, I'm not perfect, but I'm a child of the king. Psalms 139 14 says, We are fearfully and wonderfully made. When Satan says, Look at your, look at your ethnicity, you're never going to be nothing. Look who you are, you're never going to be nothing. Yahweh says, that I'm a child, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. It don't matter what our ethnicity is. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, he says, He will not put on us any more than we can bear. He provides a way of escape. Any thought that comes upon us, there is a way of escape. There's nothing that is too, too hard for us to bear. Romans 8, 37, it says, We are conquerors through Him who loved us. We can conquer these thoughts. We can pull down these strongholds in our lives. 2 Corinthians 6.18 says, We are the sons and daughters of Yahweh. Now we're talking about people who are professing the Heavenly Father. You know, most of the Bible, it's not written to the world. The majority of the Bible is written to people who are claiming to be the Heavenly Fathers. That's who it's, it's, it's written to. Now there's other people who can, who can join into this finally he says Philippians 4 8 whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely whatever is of good repute if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise let your mind dwell on these things It's a hard task. It's nothing we can just do one time. I'm learning more and more that life in general is a struggle from beginning to end. It's work from beginning to end. There's never a pinnacle that you can get to. We're witnessing this through our election process, election week. used to be election day, but it's election week now. We have election week. So we're witnessing these things. It's a struggle. It's going to be a struggle for you to to renew your mind. Just be aware of it. Be aware of these thoughts. Let them go through the filter. Where do these thoughts come from? Are they congruent with Yahweh's word? Are they in agreement with His word? And then change the narrative and put Satan on flight. May y'all bless.